there's a lot that goes into the decision and even the desire to disclose childhood trauma to somebody close to you or even approaching or confronting your abuser. And there's a lot to consider and to really process as you're exploring this. Welcome to the Courageous Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Oliveira, former trauma therapist and survivor of childhood trauma. I am so glad you're here. Grab your favorite beverage, get settled in, and let's take this journey together. What did you notice even kind of happening for you as you listened to that introduction? This is something that can really bring up a lot of immediate, automatic responses in our body because it is a really significant experience. Whether we ever do it or not, it's something that we think about. Whether we're consciously, intentionally thinking about it, or it's just something that is there in the background that has an impact on how we feel, how we feel around those people that we might want to share with. So obviously there's a bit of a difference between disclosing to somebody that you care about, that you've experienced childhood trauma, versus talking about it or confronting the person who actually did it. But there's also quite a bit of overlap here. So one of the things that I think is really important to understand is that for most people, as a result of how you coped as a child, you have made yourself believe, kind of needed to believe, that you don't have any desire to ever disclose or confront. There's a good chance, very likely, you've maybe also, or told yourself that you could never tell for any number of reasons. A couple of pretty significant ones is you don't want to hurt the person that you're going to talk to about it, and you don't want to cause any problems within that system that that person happens to exist in. But ultimately, you are telling yourself you really can't talk about it, you can't share with somebody because it will negatively impact them. And this is something that I talk about quite often with people, and I'm pretty sure that I've probably talked about it in at least a couple of videos before. So there's a lot of different pieces that are going into that that often create this sense that, no, I don't want to do that. But what sometimes is really happening is it's an automatic response that I don't want to do that is an automatic response because you've made yourself believe you can never do it. And those are definitely not the same things. But when you've held on to that idea that you could never, for whatever reason, you have to then also believe that you don't really want to because that conflict, that internal conflict, It's not easy to navigate. It brings up a lot. So being able to really, you know, I talk all the time about honoring what you want and what matters to you. And whether you ultimately act on it and do it 
is a little bit of a different thing than just, well, it's actually quite different than being able to just allow yourself to honor the truth of what you do want. And oftentimes on this journey, working through that automatic response of, no, absolutely not, that's not something I want, it's something I could never do, being able to work through that to understand, is that really what I want? Is that really what I have this kind of longing for? Or is it that I really do want to be able to talk about this with somebody, but I have all these doubts or fears. I feel guilty for wanting to share it with somebody. And if that is the case, being able to just work on honoring the truth of how you feel, what you want, that is really important, even if you never do it. And that's a whole other thing that we'll talk a little bit about, but they don't have to go together. And I think so often, kind of generally about a lot of things, we tend to think that if we acknowledge that we want something, then that means we have to do that thing. And it doesn't necessarily, now I think a lot of times if you can, if it's something you want, then maybe working toward achieving that or doing that might be good. But especially when it comes to this healing journey, there is no right or wrong. But honoring what you truly want, recognizing why or why not, so that you can understand yourself and what's happening internally better is really important. And it happens so often, by far the majority of the time that I'm working with somebody over the years that I've been doing this. Initially, people will say, no, I don't want to tell. I don't want to confront or whatever. And as we work through the healing process, sometimes it's relatively early on, sometimes it takes quite a while. The majority of people end up recognizing that they do, in fact, want to be able to share it with somebody. Sometimes, especially if it's somebody within the family, they do want to share with family members. And there could be a number of reasons for that. Sometimes people really do want to have a conversation with the abuser, whether it's a confrontational sort of thing, so more like the idea of kind of forcing that person to have a conversation, being really demanding about it, or just I remember what you did, or I know what you did, and this is what I think or feel or whatever. And wanting it and doing it, again, are different things. There are a lot of people who would like to do it, but choose not to for a number of reasons. And that's a very individual decision, and there's so many factors that go into why you might make that decision. What's important here is that you're making the decision from a very conscious place in which you're choosing from a healthy place what is right for you instead of what so many people tend to do and deny what you want because you feel like you can't, you shouldn't. It's wrong in some way. And whether that's talking with a family member or actually confronting the abuser. There's no right or wrong. 
And I think it's really important to recognize that, whether you don't want it, whether you do want it, whatever the impact on other people might be, that doesn't change what is right for you. So if you do want to have a conversation, so right now let's talk about not the abuser specifically, but maybe somebody else in your family um, or somebody who is associated with your family in some way. It can be really important to, or I think it is actually quite important, to have support, professional support ideally, and before doing so, really have the opportunity, take the time to explore what you want, why you want it, not because it's wrong or right, but understanding what is motivating it is really important in terms of the overall outcome. So why, what you hope to get out of it, what expectations you might have, good or bad, and really exploring the possibilities, the realistic possibilities. For so many people, even if we can't acknowledge it fully to ourselves, part of the desire to talk about it is can come from wanting validation, wanting to, sometimes that validation could be having somebody acknowledge that they thought something was going on or that they knew something was going on. Sometimes it can be about validating your kind of struggle or experience growing up. But validation can be a pretty significant part of why we might want to talk to somebody, disclose. And that's not right or wrong. I want to be really clear about that. It's just about noticing what you're desiring, why you're desiring it, what you hope to get out of it. So those things are important. Also then being able to process what the possibilities are. What are the realistic possibilities of how this conversation could go? And there are many. And depending on how emotionally healthy that person is that you're going to have this conversation with, largely determines how they will respond. More than anything else, their emotional health will be the thing that primarily determines their response to you. So them being a survivor isn't the most significant thing because there are survivors who haven't yet been able to face their reality. And sometimes when that is the case, they don't respond very well, especially if it's somebody that they know. So recognizing different possibilities, different outcomes of what can happen being able to process what that will mean for you is really important before it happens so that you can kind of already have a sense of what it might feel like in different scenarios so that you can even prepare for different scenarios. And what I mean by prepare isn't that you will not be affected. <laughs> by their response, but you have a sense of, okay, I knew this could happen, and this is what I need to do now to help me through this. 
So for example, part of what that could look like is you're telling somebody like, let's say you're telling a cousin that another, so not not your parent, not their parent, but another cousin's parent, an uncle, or even an aunt, abuse you. So they may believe you, and that would be great, and maybe they're very supportive. Again, that would be great. And of course, the aftermath of that isn't going to be quite as significant in terms of struggling afterward as if, if, if they don't believe you. At least generally speaking, that would be the case. But what you can then do is prepare for, okay, if they don't respond well, what can I say in that moment to kind of stop the conversation? What can I do immediately afterward to help myself through that? So probably connecting with somebody who is supportive of you, not isolating yourself. Those things are going to be important, even if it's just by like texting or something like that. Though, if you could be in person, that would be even better. So knowing, you know, how do I tend to cope with difficulty? Do I tend to isolate? If so, definitely make sure you have a plan. Do I tend to numb out? If so, have a plan to keep you engaged in something so that you are less likely to numb out. Um, But generally speaking, connection with somebody who is supportive of you is going to be one of the best things that you can do. And you might need to continue to do that for a period of time, maybe a few days, maybe a few months, depending on how it's going. And ideally, some of your support is going to come from the therapist that you're working with. So, because it really can bring up a lot. It can even bring up stuff when it is a positive outcome, when that person responds in a really supportive way. And I have talked about this a little bit before, but I actually had that experience. It's been several years ago, I guess, at this point now, but my gosh, it's been over 10 years when I, when it came out that my brother had abused me and it came out to the woman that had been married to him. So my sister-in-law, we were no longer married at that particular point, but, and she was very supportive and That was the first time I'd ever had that experience. Nobody else in my family knew about him. And it was both very good. And I found myself struggling kind of significantly. I mean, I was still functioning fine and all of that, but I was really just struggling emotionally for a little while after that. But once I realized what was going on, then it helped tremendously. But because of how it came up, which again was all good, but because it was the first time anybody in my family was learning about it, there was probably some uncertainty still of what the fallout of that might be. It was having an impact on me. So even when we have support, and this this could be across the board, it doesn't have to be even necessarily disclosing specifically, it could be just sharing something much less traumatic, I guess, with somebody and they're supportive. That can be hard too when you're not used to receiving support. So really being able to think about different outcomes, preparing for them, having a plan in place for what you're going to do, and healthy distraction and connection 
are both probably the most significant things, helpful things that you can do when you're struggling generally, really, but especially having a plan in place. Who is it going to be? How are you going to communicate? If it's somebody that knows a little bit of your history, maybe you even let that person know before you do it so that it's kind of planned that you're going to check in afterward. I think that would be an incredible way to honor and take care of yourself. So on the other side, if you are thinking about having a conversation with the person who abused you, this is definitely like a whole other level of conversation, generally speaking. But most things that I just said, well, I would say all things that I just said still apply. When you have a conversation with the perpetrator, there's a whole lot more preparation, though, I think that can be important to do beforehand. Because even when you've done a lot of healing, if you are having that conversation for the first time, especially if other people that know that person do not know, there's a good chance when you go to have that conversation, emotionally you're going to feel about the same age as you were when they were abusing you. Now, you're going to be fully, well, generally speaking, you're going to be present. It's not like you become a little child again or a teenager or whatever. But in terms of what's happening internally, there's going to be the fear, the pain, the sadness, the shame, like some of that, if not all of that, is likely going to be present. You may not be aware of how much is present, but it's likely going to be present because I've never known anybody that had a conversation with their perpetrator or even disclosing to like family members that didn't have a whole lot of energy happening in their body as they even prepared to have that conversation. It's not an easy conversation to have. But it not being easy and everything that it might be bringing up for you does not make it wrong. And that's important to remember too. Another way to think about this if you want to share this information with somebody or even kind of have a conversation with the abuser, is writing a letter. I encourage people to write letters to various people when I am working with them a lot. And most times it's with the intention that it will never be sent, just so that you can write and share what is there. If you or wanting to have a conversation with somebody and you think that writing it might be better, and I think it can be because you can say what you want to say. You don't have to worry about their response to you in the moment, the looks that they're going to have, the way they're going to be breathing, the way they're going to be moving. It can be much easier to write it and then give it to somebody. So writing it, whatever it is that you want to say, and also being clear then about what you hope to have happen. So it could be, I don't want a response. It could be, I'm open to a conversation. 
It could be thank you for listening, depending on who it is or how you're feeling about it. So there's no, again, no right or wrong. But if you don't let that person know what you would like as a result of it, you're going to be questioning so many things. You're going to question whether or not they even read it. And that's going to leave a lot of unease, generally speaking. Now, there might be an occasion when what really matters to you is that you've said it, you've put it out into the world, and you're good with just leaving it out there no matter what. That can be the case. But being really clear with yourself that that's what you want. And if you say that you don't want to have a conversation about it, particularly when it's the abuser, and they try to have a conversation with you, you know that you've set that boundary and you don't have to have a conversation. So something I really want you to take from this is that there is no right or wrong. Whether it's about having the conversation or not, how you do it, how you should feel about it, there's no right or wrong. Being aware, giving yourself the freedom to connect with what you want. What would you want to say? Writing letters, and I'm not going to get into this whole lot, maybe I'll do another video about it, can be incredibly therapeutic. Incredibly therapeutic. But again, it can bring up a lot. And so ideally, you would be working with somebody to process what's coming up as a result of that. And I think that just like if you were going to have a face-to-face conversation or over-the-phone conversation, you want to be really clear with yourself as to your intention in doing so, so that you can be prepared for the outcome. Thank you so much for spending this time and sharing this space with me. Together we heal. Make sure to subscribe, and if you haven't yet, make sure to leave a review. I'll look forward to connecting with you next time.